Genesis 3 this morning. Brother Scotty got me and Brother Jerry a bag. I pulled this out. I said, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I said, I'll try something with that. Genesis chapter number 3. I like everything. Man, this, this preaching, man, has been on now, hasn't it? Hasn't that been good? Every preacher's done a fine job, and every preacher's the right kind, too. And every preacher believes the book. That makes a difference right there. Amen. I enjoyed all that last night. And uh, Brother Scotty said, look at that. Brother Perky's been in his Bible. Yeah. That's good. You can tell when somebody hadn't been in it, too, can't you? <laughs> Amen. We got a lot of great preaching everywhere, great men. And they'd really be great preachers if they got in the book. And I hate to say it, and I don't mean to be ugly when I say that, but the average preacher today that's a well-known preacher, the preachers that we would listen to and we'd like, they know very little when it comes to the Bible. And they don't know much because they're listening to their little iPods and whatever that is and their podcast and all that kind of stuff and listening to messages all the time and all they're doing is getting a catchy sermon when what they need is to dig in the Word of God. And you get in the Bible, God will give you a sermon. You can mark that down. And it'll be a whole lot better. And then you got this group, and they call themselves fundamentalists and all that. And I'm, I don't mind being a fundamentalist. I'm that. Amen. But you notice that those fundamentalists, they always say that they believe in the preservation, the inspiration, or the inspiration of the Scriptures. That's one. But they don't tell you which Scripture. Because the people that came up with those terms didn't believe it. Amen. That's exactly right. I want to know where I can get a copy of it at. And so this morning, I want to look at a few things today. In Genesis 3, we'll start there. And this won't be preaching. There might be some preaching in it before we get done. I don't know. But there'll be some teaching going on. And we need some Bible teaching. And I think a Saturday morning is a great time for it. Genesis chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and thank you for this great morning that we're able to assemble together today. And Lord, I just pray that you might be in this place and move freely. Lord, we're thankful this morning for these churches that are represented. And we're thankful for Mount Pleasant for putting this on. And, and I know it's a great expense to them. But Father, I pray you'll give them great reward for what they've done. And Lord, thank you for the work that we don't even see behind the scenes. The people cleaning up and the people doing the little things, Father. We're thankful for each and every one of them. 
We do pray you'd be at the pastor here and bless him and help his family, help him get well, help everybody in the church that's sick get well. And Lord, we thank you today for the King James Bible. And Lord, I pray for holy unction from on high. And I pray you'd give me something to say this morning. And Lord, I pray that you'd get all the honor and all the glory for it. We thank you for giving us a book and not just giving us one, but giving us the perfect book, the perfect word of God. Help us stand today, Father, and have boldness in our preaching because we have the book, we have the words that you've said. Thank you for loving us and sending our Savior to die for us. And Lord, I do pray that you'll take care of us and watch over us and help us. This subject's not going to be pleasing to some people and uh, in the spiritual realm especially. And Father, I pray for a hedge of protection from that. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now notice there's some truths here in Genesis chapter number three. And if you've heard me teach on the King James Bible very many times, I've taught this for years, but I'm not gonna teach you exactly everything I've taught you for years. I've got some stuff I wanna say today. And to be honest with you, I, I thought, man, it'd be easy just to give a bunch of those little facts and show you all those little nuggets and those things. That'd be a whole lot of fun, but that's not what the Lord wants me to do. And so I'm not going to. But notice it says this, you'll see five different things in this passage right here, five truths you can learn from Genesis chapter 3, and the first one's found in verse number 1. It says, now the serpent, let me ask you this morning, church, who's the serpent? That's the devil, according to Revelation chapter number 12. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said. Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now notice what you learn here. The very first time the devil ever opens his mouth in scripture, it's in the third chapter of the first book. And the first thing he does is he begins questioning the word of God. And this morning I'd like to say number one, the root source of questioning the word of God is satanic. If you've got a preacher or anybody else that gets up and says, well, I don't know if that's really what the word, that is satanic is what that is. You're following the devil whether you realize it or not. That's who originated your thought process. He's the first one to ever say it. Yea, hath God said, well, let me tell you, friend, he did say. And I've got a book to prove what he said. Let me say number two this morning. Verse two and three. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now when you read that, you'll read that she omits in verse 2 the word freely. She's taken away from the word of God. You'll see here at the end, it says, Neither shall you touch it. She's adding to the word of God. Sin begins with adding and subtracting to the word of God. That's the second point. Sin begins right there. You say, well, there's people not doing that today. Anytime a preacher gets up and they stand behind a pulpit and they say, this word is not in the original whatever, and they say that and that shouldn't be in your Bible, that is sin. Because what they've done is they've told you the word of God is not correct. Verse 4. Third thing. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. Well, let me ask you a good question this morning. Did they die? You haven't seen them lately, have you? <laughs> if they were around, you'd know it because they'd be thousands and thousands of years old. <laughs> Everybody would know it. They'd say, man, this guy here is 100 years old. They'd say, well, that guy there is 6,000 years old. <laughs> now what you got? <laughs> 
I mean, that'd be something else. You say, well, they didn't die right there. No, they died spiritually right there. It's right then that they became sinners and, they, and they, they received that sin nature and they became people that needed a Savior at that point in history right there. It's satanic to deny the Word of God. He denied it. Let me say the fourth thing, verse 5. For God doth know then the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods. I don't got time to get into that. Knowing good and evil. You shall be as gods, he says. You'll know good and evil. They didn't know the thing, difference between good and evil before this. They didn't have a sin nature. But he says, if you'll take the fruit and you'll eat that, you'll be like gods. Let me say number four, it's satanic. And it's Satan's desire to stop people from relying on the word of God. He doesn't want you to rely on the word of God. He wants you to rely on a seminary. He wants you to rely on a pastor or a church or something like that instead of God's word. That's satanic. Let me say the fifth thing. Satan is the true source behind the Bible controversy. You say, well, we know all that and we understand that and we got all that and we've got that down real good. I know people say that, but I don't think they really have it. If I went around this building this morning, Brother Scotty, and I started asking preachers here today, I'd say, why do you think there's so many Bibles on the market today? And one of them would say, well, the reason there's so many Bibles on the market today is because they make a lot of money. And I mean, that's the reason right there. They make a whole lot of money, and every time they print those, man, people are getting rich, and they copyright that text. The King James doesn't have a copyright, and they get their own little Bible, and man, they can go around, and all of a sudden they got all kinds of money. And that's to be some people's answer. Other people in this building that are Bible believers. If I asked you, if I said, why in the world do we have so many Bibles today? Why, why do we have to have all these different versions? And they'd say, well, there's men out there that want to be the final authority. And they've got to get rid of the Word of God. And if they can get rid of God's Word and go back to what they call the originals, which don't even exist today, but if they went back to the Greek and Hebrew, and if their congregation didn't know Greek and Hebrew, they could say the Greek word here and the Hebrew word there, and all of a sudden it puffs them up and makes them feel like they're somebody. And they can say, that's the reason we have all these Bibles on the market today. And I give you five more reasons that people might would say in this building today. But let me tell you, none of those are the reasons. They're not the reason we have 300 English Bibles, so-called Bibles on the market. That's not the reason whatsoever. You say, what's the reason? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Those are results from the reason. Those are the things the devil does to pawn people to get them to do what he wants them to do. Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. I'm writing a booklet on the King James. I've been doing it a long time. I've, I've done got this chapter written and I have to keep adding to it all the time. You know, that's how it works. I've got to hurry up and get done so I quit adding to it. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse number 12. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which just weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, and what we see next is the five I wills of the devil. And I realize everybody says, well, five is the number of grace. And I realize it is many times, but you had not been in the book too much, have you? Five is the number of death in the Bible. All the way through it. You say, here's the five right here. 
Verse 13, for, how is that, for thou hast said in thine heart, God knows what we say in our heart. Number one, I will ascend into heaven. Number two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He doesn't have a throne. What's he talking about? Number three, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. You say, where's that? It's sure not Chicago. It's not east, west, or south. It's promotion is from up there. God. That's where he's at. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I think about things right here. And I think about several things in this passage. Like at the end of verse 14. Brother Scott, he was talking about running references with words. And sometimes those are more than one word. Sometimes it's two words. How about most high? You ever ran and seen how many times the words most high together like that are found in your Bible? 98 times. And the first time it's Melchizedek and he's a servant of the most high God. Amen. Every time it's talking about the most high in your Bible. Every single time it's talking about God in heaven. That's what it's talking about. Hold your place and turn to Daniel. Coming right back to Isaiah. Look in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, the Antichrist comes. Man, we're in time. We're teaching Daniel 1 and Daniel 2 in the Institute this fall. Daniel 7. Verse 25. Well, it's taking y'all a while. Daniel's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Daniel 7, verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. You say of who? Of the Most High. We're seeing that already started. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Three and a half years. Verse 27. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. You say, what's going to happen? When the Antichrist comes, he's going to oppose the Most High. That's what the devil's doing. The devil says, I want to be like the Most High is what he's saying. All right, back to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven? What's it say? Oh, Lucifer. Lucifer. Now, if you got a NIV, the non-inspired version, you've got it and it'll say, Oh, morning star. And it takes the word Lucifer out. You get a modern version, you won't find the word Lucifer. You get an ESV, the extra stupid version. And it'll say this, it'll say, oh, day star. No morning star. More than likely in your Bible, if you've got a normal study Bible, more than likely there's a note somewhere in there and it says that it should be morning star or day star or something like that. Now, that's an issue right there. And you say, what's the issue? Those are names for Christ. 
Somebody has taken the name Lucifer out and they put those names in. And people say, well, your problem is you don't know Hebrew very well. If you knew Hebrew, you would know that that name means morning star. Obviously, you don't know Hebrew. Because if you knew Hebrew, you'd know that's not what that name means. The name Lucifer means light bearer. It never means morning star. It means light bearer or shining one. That's what it means. And let me tell you what his original purpose was. He was the anointed cherub that covered I'm not trying to be a smart aleck whatsoever. I just get fired up and I talk about this. But half of the preachers in our country don't even know that he was a cherub. They think he was an angel. You don't know your Bible, sir. That's your problem. That's third grade stuff. If you don't got that, don't tell anybody you know something about the Bible. That's, we got third graders in our church that know that. You say, well, I can prove it. No, go ahead. We'll give you all the time you need. <laughs> Let me say this morning. When I see that light bearer, that's what he was designed to be. He didn't like to be a bearer of light. He wanted to be the light. That's the difference right there. Christ is the bright and morning star. When he comes back, he is the sun issuing of righteousness. He'll have healing in his wings. He's a, the sun is a type of Christ. You're a type of the moon. Your job is to reflect light. That was his job. Some of you are just like him. You want to be God. I want it to be about me. I want everybody to see me. Let me tell you something. That's satanic. When we come to church, it ought to be about him is who it ought to be about. We're to come together and worship him. He's the reason we come to church. People's got it backwards. The true reason behind the Bible controversy is not to make more money. It's not because we can get all these uh, our names on these Bibles. It's not so that we can be popular. It's not so people like us. It's not so that people can be the final authority. Those are results of the reason. The true reason behind the controversy is Satan wants to be God. That's the whole reason. Hadn't you ever looked through the Bible and wondered why he changed this verse and that verse and how he did that? He wants to be somebody. That's how it come. Man, people's going through that book and they don't have any idea. Take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 10. So that King James is out of date and archaic. The other Bibles don't have him being Lucifer, which means light bearer. Yeah, well, Coverdale had it that way. And the Matthews Bible had it that way. And the Great Bible had it that way. And the Bishop's Bible and the Geneva Bible had it that way. And the Czech Bible had it that way in 1609, Lucifer. And the Spanish Bible in 1557 when it said Lucero. And the Romanian Bible had Lucifer, is how they pronounced it. They all had it in there. Somebody's decided to change something, hadn't they? Everybody had it that way. Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10, you get a scene of the devil when he was Lucifer falling from heaven. Luke chapter number 10, down here in verse number 18. Let me see if I can find 18, okay? 6 and 6 and 6. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan is lightning, L-I-G-H-T, fall from heaven. He was a light bearer. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's a great passage right there in the scripture. It's a really good passage. You say, what was it? He beheld him as lightning falling from heaven. 
He came down as lightning because he was a Lucifer. He was the light bearer. You say, well, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter if you're a cherub. It doesn't matter if you're an angel. It doesn't matter if you're a seraphim. If you get in the presence of God, you're going to bear light. That's what you're going to do. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And we all know Matthew 28 is the resurrection chapter. I like, I particularly like that chapter. Amen. <laughs> Matthew chapter 28. I don't teach when I preach on Sunday morning. Say, no, I mean, occasionally I do. It, but, I mean, I get up there and throw a fit. But you need to know something about the book. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake... For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance, that's his face, was like what? Huh. Must have been in his presence. He came down from heaven, didn't he? That's how Lucifer was. At one time, he wasn't darkness, he was light. But he, he bore light from somebody else. He wasn't the source of light. That's what he was. Go back to Exodus, about chapter 33 or so. Exodus. And notice I hadn't had to have a Sunday school book to do any bit of this. I got the best Sunday school book that's ever been written. Exodus 33. Here's Moses talking to God. Verse 18. That's the second book, folks. You're supposed to find that one quick. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. He said, show me thy glory, show it to me. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be precious to whom and gracious unto whom I'll be gracious and will show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see it and live. And so I saw the Lord's face the other day. You were dead if you did. For he's a liar. I'll take his word over yours. <laughs> and the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand and thou shalt, make my back, thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You say, did he do it? He did it. There was a result of it. Chapter 34, down in verse 29. Notice the, the, Moses been with the Lord. Verse 28, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. You can do much right and you probably all do some fasting. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone. He didn't know it while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. You say, what's that? It's shining. 
and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the, of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them a commandment, and all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai, until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And when he came, and he came out and spake to the children of Israel that which he was commanded, and the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. You know what happened right there? He got in the presence of God is what happened. And you know what happened? He got in the presence of God. He didn't look the same anymore. You get a preacher that gets alone in the presence of God, he won't look the same. He won't preach the same. He won't act the same. There'll be something different about you, sir, if you just get alone and get in God's presence. They'd say, my goodness, put a veil on your face. We can't take any more of this. It'd be something else, would it be? And so you get over there in the book of Acts, and Stephen's getting his stoned to death for preaching the truth. Calling those people murderers. I mean, you got to admit, Stephen was a man. He knew what was coming to him, and he did it anyway. So, well, those guys back then, there's no sissies back in. <laughs> that guy gave his life, got his brains beat out by rocks for preaching and knew he was about to get it done. But when they looked at him, they saw him, and he had the face of an angel. You say, what happened? He was shining is what happened. He'd been alone in the presence of God is what took place. Man, we need more of that today. Because Jesus is the son. He's the real son. And we're not going to run all those references. Now, so let's get back to this so I can close this through. I've got to run a few verses. Here's the devil. What's he wanting to be? Like the most high. Is that true? That's what he said. All right. How am I going to be like the Most High if I'm the devil? I'm not the devil, thank God. But if I was, how would I be like the Most High? Number one, I've got to get rid of the Most High. Yeah. Matthew 4. You want to talk about some guts, the devil's got guts too. Make no mistake on that. And he's nobody to be toyed with either. I've, su I've suffered more grief for teaching what I'm teaching right now in my life than you can but imagine. You say what? For this right here. Calling him out. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. You say what's that? The temptation of Christ. Matthew chapter 4. He comes to the Lord. Man, he's coming at him and everything else. And whether he could have sinned or not sinned, you can worry about that later. But let me tell you this much. He didn't sin. Amen. <laughs> But look down here in verse number 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Isn't that what he's been after? Sure, that's what he's after. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and anyway goes on. You say, what's that? He's after worship. He wants to be the most high. That's his whole job. Take your Bible and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
you know the Lord's got a God's got a son, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the devil's gonna have to copy God if he wants to be God, so he's gonna have to have a son. It's the Antichrist. And when that Antichrist comes, look what happens in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. The chapter is dealing with the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. If he says he's God and he's sitting in the temple, don't you think he'll have people worshiping him? You bet your life he will. And it won't just be him. They'll be worshiping his father too. You say they'd never do that. Oh yeah, they would. Revelation 13. Revelation 13, here's the Antichrist again. It's the people wouldn't worship somebody else. Yeah, just a few months ago at the Grammys, they had some idiot named Sam Smith that got up there and had a satanic costume on. And I mean, people were like worshiping and CBS put on their little uh, whatever page they had, their Instagram or their, my daddy called it Tic Tac. I think that's a pretty good name for it. <laughs> whatever it might have been, you know. And they put on there, we can't wait to worship tonight. Oh, they're ready to worship. And Taylor Swift comes out. And she's got a big Satan mask on. You say, what it look like? An improvement. All right, Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. <laughs> and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven and the great. You say, what's he up there doing? He's trying to establish his throne. You read it in Isaiah 14. He's trying to fulfill the lust of his heart. But he loses. Chapter 13, the Antichrist here. Verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power. That's the devil. And his seat, the dragon gave it to him. And great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, the devil. Which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast. Saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Then you got down here in verse 11. A false prophet shows up. And he shows up and he gets everybody going right back and worshiping the dragon and the beast. His job's not to be worshipped. His job's to get them to worship. The Holy Spirit's job's not to be worshipped. His job's to get you to worship Christ. He speaks of him. That's what his job is. You get in the presence of the Holy Ghost, you're going to worship Christ. That's what you're going to do. And here you got the devil. He's getting the worship that he's after. That's what he's after the whole time. In order to get... Worship, he's going to have to do some things. So you got a religion. It's called the Mormon religion. We call them morons where we come from. And they say, Lucifer and Jesus are brothers. You say, Joseph Smith came up with that? He didn't come up with that. Somebody else came up with that. And they fed it to him. Is that angel Moroni, Baloni, that we call him, amen, 
that actually was Satan is who it was. And he said, let's go ahead and reduce Jesus to make him a brother. Oh, he's a brother, all right, but not like that. <laughs> Let me just say this morning, so you get a Catholic church, and the Catholic church, they say, well, Mary's the co-mediatrix, the co-redeemer. She's equal with Jesus. What's that do? That reduces Jesus Christ down to sin nature because Mary was a sinner. Nobody's equal with him. Nobody. So you get the Muslims come out, and Muhammad, he was satanic, demon-possessed. And, and old Muhammad, he jumps out there, and you know what he says? Jesus was not the son of God because anybody believes God had a son is a polytheistic pig. That's what he says. And that's in the Quran. And so what he says is, he was only a good teacher, and he was a prophet, but not the prophet. The great prophet would be Muhammad. He was lower than Muhammad. He reduces and makes them a sinner. Why does all these religions do that? They're satanic. That's how it comes. Anybody that would make Jesus Christ a normal man and make him a sinner is satanic. You say, why would they do that? So people will die and go to hell? Well, no doubt he wants people to go to hell, but that's not his number one objective. Have you got it yet? He wants to be God. If you want to be God, you've got to get rid of the competitions. what you've got to do. I mean, if you didn't like somebody, you see somebody gets jealous of somebody, the first thing they do is they talk bad about them. They get bad about them because they want to reduce them down because they're jealous. Preachers are the worst about that kind of stuff. What a mess that is. I went over there to Thailand this spring, and some of y'all went, went over there, and that we got a satellite school over there, got 15 students or more, maybe more than that now. And uh, that pastor's taking courses and is all of his congregation. He says, I want you to teach Sunday school. I said, okay, what do you want me to teach on? The deity of Christ. I thought, why that? They're Buddhist. Everybody in the room was Buddhist. They believe Buddha's God. I teach on the deity of Christ and I go through that whole thing and 13 of them get saved. He said, I give invitation in Sunday school today. I don't normally do that. Man, I like that. Because Buddha ain't God. Amen. No. Are you getting it now? Let me say this. So you got going through your Bible. And you start looking in your Bible and you get in Luke chapter 2 and verse 33. If you got a King James Bible, it says Joseph and his mother marveled. But if you got an NIV or ESV or a modern version, it says, and his mother and father. Joseph's not his father. If Joseph's his father, he's not who he said he was. Now let me ask you, who was behind that? You say, Westcott and Hort. Westcott and Hort, no doubt, was used. There's no doubt about that. They were used, but they weren't behind it. They were part of the cult. They, were, they did the ghostly guilds. They did seances. We got all kinds of stuff on them. We know all kinds of facts about those people. But let me tell you something. They were a pawn in the devil's hand is what they were. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to make Joseph, his father, use that text and every new Bible will say it and people will start thinking that the virgin birth is a myth. It's not real. It never even happened. And then I can be God. The number one attack on your Bible by modern versions, as you know, is the deity of Christ. Number one. Why? Somebody wants to be God. That's how it comes. So you get over there in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten son. If you've got a King James. But if you've got a modern version, it might say it's one and only son. Well, that's false doctrine. You say, how's that false doctrine? I'm his son. If you're saved, you're his son. There's five different groups called his son in the Bible. But there's only one, only begotten son. Begotten how? By the Holy Ghost through the virgin birth. You're taking out the virgin birth when you take out the word begotten. You're reducing him to a normal man. And he's not normal. You get in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. All the people that's lived in history, if God came in the flesh, who do you think it would be? I believe they could one. His name's Jesus, by the way. But if you've got a new version, it takes out the word God, and it says he was manifest in the flesh, which brings up the question, he who? Who could he be? People say, I don't know, let's debate it. That's what the devil wants. God's not the author of confusion. It's the devil that's the author of confusion. Everything you see in there is the devil going at it and he's trying to take it away from God and reduce him. Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar says, Man, I see four men in the fire, loose, and one is like the Son of God. Then you get a new Bible, it takes that out. One's like unto the sons of the gods. The devil's done got his hands on that, hadn't he? Yeah, that's what he's doing. I think we got it pinned down now. I got tons of references. I ain't going to give them to you. I gave you more than you need right now for the subject. But the thing is, if you don't know it, the devil's trying to be God. And let me say, he's not God. And let me just say, I had a lady leave my church about 10 years ago. And I said, why would you leave? She said, because you said in Sunday school that Jesus is God. I said, he is God. If you're going to leave over that... Don't, don't let the door stop you. Get on out of here. You say, why? Jesus is God. He is God. And he ought to be worshipped like he's God. He's not just the Son of God. He's as much God as the Father's God. He's as much God as the Spirit's God. Jesus is God. And when he came, he was God in the flesh. And when it's all said and done, the devil's going to get on his knees and he's going to say, Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. You say, where'd you get that? That's Philippians chapter 2 for you right there. Oh, he'll admit it, just like everybody else. He wants to be God, but he'll say who's God. 